Captain Picard, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Am I ready, Roman? Hello and welcome to the Readier Room, the only Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast with onset stories from those who are there to see the magic happen. My name is Mitchell Mills, Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount back in the 1980s, and with me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs, and I am amazed that I remembered how to do the introduction, because it's been a cool two weeks since our last episode. It has. It has. I guess we should address this, huh? It's the big elephant in the room, um, the big Mm -hmm. insert science fiction animal in the room. And um, as always, we uh, we take our service to the people quite seriously here on the readier room. And um, absolutely, we would never and I repeat, never skip a week without a, a serious, grave reason for doing so. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I think, uh, it's only, it makes the most sense to turn it over to you to, um, explain to the people, uh, what had, what had happened. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, we watched the episode as usual. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we make plans to, to do, to do the podcast, um, two weeks ago. Right. And just to be clear, this is the readier room podcast that we're talking about. Yes, yes, the readier room. And we we get a call. Mm. Right? Mm. And you know, I can't say exactly who the call is from. Um but we were we were brought onto a certain project, um, which we could not talk about mm. until now. Um and I you know, I think all of our viewers know by now that um uh Picard season two is coming and yes John Delancey is involved oh my god uh, oh my god isn't it amazing so um yes we were a little tied up in um the the uh the preparations for that um to a certain degree pre-production so we could not yes yes um so it was a last minute thing um and you know we apologize yeah we should um kind of now that the cat's able to be let out of the bag, um, we should clarify that going forward, as production begins to ramp up, um, our obligations for the for the project for Picard too, um, they might once again call us away. But just know that once the the light at the end of the tunnel comes to fruition, um, you can bet that those of us at the readier room. And all the ready ears out there listening, that uh, we're going to be celebrating Picard two in in a way that only we can. Certainly, sir. I can't wait for it. Me neither. Me neither. I've I've had to stay off of Twitter this past week because I couldn't. I know I couldn't keep the secret. Like if I was to start tweeting, I would uh I would throw in these casual hints and be like, oh, I guess what's coming, and I you know, big violation of Sometimes contract. Sometimes you can't help it. No, yeah, yeah. For news this big, this monumentous, that right. Star Trek Picard is getting a second season. Well, not just a second season, but a season with oh, Q. Yeah. yeah, the Q. 
the Q, uh, arguably the most important character in fiction, right, of all time. If you're, I mean, if you're going by a yeah, number of metrics, really, um, the the impact on the culture, the 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 power set of the character itself, the uh, the 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 way that how many stories revolve around them, it there's really no other um, praise that you could levy on the character of Q, other than just the most important. And now Star Trek Picard is going to levels it could never even have reached before. Certainly, certainly. So we'll see if we if we can get John on the readier room uh, itself. I know he's quite busy nowadays, but yeah, he does. He does tend to be pretty busy, but we will do our best. Um, never say never, right? right? So if you guys out there, if you want to see uh, John Delancey on the readier room, I mean, you can always join us in our efforts of uh, tweeting at him and asking him to to make to stop on by and share some of yeah, his yeah. stories. Yeah, what, what do uh, what do the uh, what do the kids say? Sliding, sliding into the DMs. Yeah, we slide into um, John's DMs. I think. I think that. Yeah, I think that's how they say it. Or he slides into the podcast. Well, he could slide into the podcast for sure. That's what we want. That's the ultimate goal: is right. the sliding into the podcast. So, I preliminary sliding is into the DMs. I believe. Okay. Okay. So one slide leads to another. Yes. Gotcha. Wow. Wow, I think we just came up with something pretty deep there. That makes complete sense to me. So, I, I told you, you doubted me when we were starting. You're like, you're never going to learn how, how to use Twitter. It's You can't do it. And uh, just, <laughs> just look at us now. I know, I know. We're, uh, we're doing a, a great job, if I may say so myself. Yeah, um, tweeting, retweeting, quote tweeting, subtweeting. I got. It I didn't even know what a retweet was when we started this. You, you were to ask me about birds. You know, I don't keep up with this stuff. Yeah, you. Who has time for it? You were never the tech guy, but and certainly not. But you are the certainly. Trek guy. Ha ha ha! We're both the Trek guy. We are both Trek guys. We're Trek men. Just a couple of cool Trek dudes blazing through. Anyway, so that explains our absence, but today we're not absent. In fact, we're here, and um, some pretty big news about today's episode. Today's episode is going to be a twofer, a two-for-one, um, co mm -hmm. covering the episode we had, we had the um, our plans written out for last week. We're going to bring that over now and cover this week's episode. So if you're very, very dedicated to the the one episode a week watching schedule you will not have fallen behind if you're following along yes. with us but yeah. before we can get to that um as always we have our question of the week which is uh, another thing we take quite gravely and seriously here at the show and uh let's get to it then so today's question comes from cat who sent us an email which you can always do if you want to reach us with your questions and cat says Hello, Mitch and Brandon. Big fan of the show. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, Ensign. We thank definitely you. appreciate yeah. the, the love. Uh, Kat says, I'm, at, I'm big at my local Trek convention circuit, specifically in the cosplay scene. Do you guys cosplay? Would love to hear your thoughts on it. Until then, I'll be staying readier. Oh, Kat watches the show. We Absolutely. We like Kat. And, love um, it. It's a that's a great question to ask, I think, because you can't be involved in Star Trek 
You can't be Trek adjacent without coming into contact with cosplay at some point. In fact, I think that Trek conventions and Trek culture was the original progenitor of cosplay as a as a concept. People dressing up as Klingons yeah, yeah. back in the sixties. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean I mean cosplay culture is so ingrained into Trek culture that I would almost go as far as to say, if you've never cosplayed Trek, um, hard to really call you a, a true fan, don't you think? Right, like Trek E, that has connotations of cosplayer, just right there. Yes. You're never gonna, yeah. you can't get away from it. They're too inextricably linked. Um, unfortunately, so to answer your question, Kat, yes, you know, back in the day, uh, whenever we would pop in at conventions, it would be fun to get in on it with the fans and cosplay a little bit i was never so good at it but you know it's a little bit but age time uh makes fools of us all you know you get old your skin starts to crack it looks like leather parts of your hair falling out you get these wrinkles and don't remind me Mitch. it's it's a gruesome process and by this point like yes technically i could still cosplay tasha yar pretty well but aside from that I, I don't have many options available to me. So these days, um, I think I speak for both of us when I say that cosplay is not really something that's uh, in our wheelhouse anymore. Yeah, I think we've both hung up our Starfleet uniforms. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Um, but for all you out there who uh, might be younger or more capable, definitely recommend getting in on the cosplay scene at your local Trek convention. Uh, you can make some of the best friends and some find some of the wildest parties with your cosplaying cohorts oh certainly some wild parties mitch definitely definitely but those are stories for the for the private podcast the secret yes podcast. Uh, for our patreon actually yes exactly so if you want some of our convention uh after dark stories be sure to um be a tier two patron anyway if uh Thank you for the question, Kat. Anybody out there, if you have a question that you would like us to answer on the, our podcast, The Readier Room, then you can either tweet at us, and our Twitter account is The Readier Room, or you can send us an email, and our email is Room at gmail.com, and that's with a capital T, a capital R, and a capital R. And whatever it is, we'll do our best to answer it and get you the information you want. So... That will bring us to our first of two episodes today. Um, and I was kind of excited to talk about this one last week. I'm still excited to talk about it today. Maybe not for yeah. the most flattering of reasons for the episode, but it's definitely uh, an interesting one. And this episode, of course, Angel One is the name of it. It's... um. It's what else would you call a planet populated entire or rather dominated by women um, other than Angel One? Some very inspired uh, selection there. Um, but yeah, it's it's another episode where they just go to a planet that's basically Earth at some point with one minor thing changed. <laughs> right, right. And uh, it's it's definitely not like this concept has not been done before and done better right um it's very uninspired well i mean it's it's you know oh what what if women had power in decision making 
It's like only, truly yeah. only science yeah. fiction can tackle a concept like this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. That is definitely, definitely true. I think Gene would agree. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But there were, there were just so many, so many problems just with, with conceptualizing the episode. Right. That um, led to, you know, constant script rewrites, constant reimagining of, you know, what the conflict was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the final script was so late in coming to us that um, it actually deviates from, from the episode that was filmed. Right, because there wasn't enough time just to get it as written. It was, it was just constantly being rewritten over right. and over. Which explains a lot of the, the problems with it, um, with the yeah. episode on a structural basis, um, even just the end product, how on the surface level, how much one would enjoy it. Like on every level, you, you feel the troubled production. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, yeah, just, just all around. I, and I, I think a lot of people would agree with this. And I think a lot of people have agreed with this, that um, this, this episode is um, kind of blatantly sexist. Yeah, which is, um, I think you might look at it and think, okay, it's a society where the gender roles have been reversed and women are in control. Surely this will be empowering towards women. But really, I don't know of any way to execute on that concept without being inherently sexist in one way or another because it's i suppose so it's it's always gonna be like well um even if it's a a utopian society with with no problems it's always gonna be like well you know uh women are all about their emotions and feelings and all that so clearly society would be this way and it's like if you try to make it a positive it's still gonna be sexist to to some extent it's it's definitely a, a difficult concept to tackle, um, <laughs> just because you are kind of putting the the power dynamics out there. But when the episode starts off, like the way it starts off, it almost seems like it's going for a feminist message, only to kind of turn on its head. I don't know, maybe fifteen minutes in, um, and and you start to see the cracks in the facade, and um, you know, naturally this this was this was Gene's fault, of course. Mm. Um, you know, he was adamant about adding in like as many sexual overtones as possible. Um, I, you know, I only heard this from Herb after the fact, you know, he was still co-producer at the time, but, um, Gene, you know, he, he went on something like a 10 minute tirade in the writer's room about, uh, the, uh, the inherent evils of, of women. Um, so basically insisting that, you know, they have to portray the society of Angel One as morally lacking. Um, so so that's, that's where you start to see, you know, they go down onto this planet uh, ruled by women. Um, I mean, just, just the concept, you think it's going to, and, and it's Trek. You right. think it's going to, like, have some kind of feminist message. It's the exact opposite. This is the exact show where earlier in the season, um, Riker explains to um, an alien that, they work that the the human race works alongside their women because they're just as capable and just as smart um, as, as the men are. And mm-hmm. fa- flash forward a couple of episodes where R- Riker solves the problems of the of the female dominated society with his penis. Yes, yeah, um, and we can definitely get into that. 
but Riker's you know, just penis? just overall, we, we can absolutely talk about Riker's penis. Um, in fact, I think I planned on it if I look at my notes. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I actually wrote that down. Wonderful. Um, but just overall, as a whole, um, really, really odd episode, and it's almost insane how the final episode isn't even as bad as, you know, the first drafts of it. Right. You know? Well, it it, it could have certainly been worse, and the trajectory it took along the way um, was not a steady uh, climb. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the, the the title of the episode was initially different, the name of the planet was initially different, and in one of the rewrites of the script, Gene changed it to Angel One because that was the name of the gentleman's club he would take some of the staff to on uh, on weekends. Right, right, right. Have you ever been to Angel One? I have been to Angel One. I just just like our cosplay stories. If you want to hear our Angel One Gene stories, that's a that's a Patreon. That's right. Exclusive. You have to save it for the Patreon. Right, but to give some free information. Um, Jean would take the staff there, the male staff, um, at the end of every, uh, whenever shooting wrapped on an episode, and not only did he lift the name from the club, but he lifted some of the, the workers there to be extras in, in episodes like this, in episodes, um, how, what was the one where Wesley Crusher is, like, sentenced to death on that one planet? Um, oh, that's a while from now. No, 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 this was earlier. Really? Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. The um, the, wow. What was that episode? Yeah, Haven. But we know what you're talking about. Haven. That's it. Was it Haven? It was Haven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, from that episode, and anytime the they needed, um, quote beautiful extras, uh, Gene would grab one or two of them from here. He had like some kind of agreement mm-hmm. with the manager. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's. I don't like the name. Like, I, I think Angel One's, like, a pretty shitty name for the episode. Just, it, it feels very lazy. Um, oh, it's it's all women, so let's have it reference an angel, which are typically depicted as female. Either yeah, that... it's a little stereotypical, for sure. Right. So, you have this premise, which is already flawed. Um, and then you go to explore the finer details and moments of the episode and there's just a bunch of weird feeling things going on um Mm -hmm. this is gonna be i don't know how i remembered this but at the very beginning of the episode when they're on the bridge and i think they're maybe just discussing the planet or you know the give exposition there's a shot of data at his console um on the bridge where it looks like one of the lights was out because it's so dark and he's in shadow, um, and I, I don't know why this stuck out so much to me, but it's, it's, it's a very good metaphor for how off a lot of this episode feels in its writing and <laughs> conception. <laughs> I, I do not remember that at all, but uh, yeah, um, probably probably a good point there. It's. I feel kind of silly bringing it up, but it's it's true, and you can rewatch the episode, and you'll see it. Well, I'll I'll have to go back and uh, give it a second watch. I mean, I've I've been raring to to see it again. So Angel Two, 
Angel 2. So, um, you, you want to talk about the subplot of this episode? The subplot? Do you oh, remember the subplot yeah. of this episode? Yes, the uh, the virus. The yes. virus. Um, where... Yeah, um, I, I was going to make a point that uh, that the show actually addresses. Crusher does eventually tell them to not come back right. to the ship. Uh, but they initially planned to go back to the ship, despite having heard that there was a virus. Uh, Smartest which, thing which to kinda do. Which kind of threw me off. Um, <laughs> but if I, we do get to that point where Crusher decides, hey, you can't come on to the ship. Right, which is um, um, feels like the only reason the subplot existed was to incapacitate yes. their resources with the Enterprise during the conflict yeah. on the planet. Um, other than that, it's a completely vestigial time waster of a subplot. And mm -hmm. it's set up with the most bizarre line exchange of dialogue that I have mm -hmm. heard in quite some time. And I do this show every week. Um, <laughs> it's... It, so, I believe it's Picard and Worf are near the holodeck and... Wesley Crusher and another kid come out wearing ski gear and they throw a snowball at Picard who somehow gets hit by it and becomes wet despite it being outside the holodeck. It's the holodeck yep. snow. Um, anyway, at, at the end of their talk with Wesley, Worf sneezes and Picard says, a Klingon sneeze? And then Worf says, only kind I know. <laughs> And it's so bizarre that somebody wrote that. I, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say with that one. Yeah, that is that is stupid. I think I might be a little desensitized at this point after, what, 12, 13 episodes of this show. I can't blame um, you. But, uh, you know, especially with, with the way the first season was written, mm. there's just so much ridiculous stuff going on. But that is... Very stupid, yes. See, whenever something stupid like that happens, I um, I take out my notepad that I'm taking notes on while I watch the episode, and I gotta write that down. Uh -huh. Right, right. <laughs> Clean out right. sneeze, you know, lest I forget. Good yeah. practice, yeah. Yeah, but um, very silly. And that's that's the setup. It's like, based on that, there's now a virus on the Enterprise. Well, you know, okay, so you know what threw me is um it's infection is preceded by smelling like burnt toast or something yeah um some some very particular klingon smell. Thing. yeah um which you know it being a klingon thing you wouldn't expect it to smell good but apparently it does right um so so the scent is such that it encourages you to inhale and thus inhale enough viral load to make you sick um, which I'm not sure if that's ridiculous or not. It, that's, that, it sounds ridiculous to me. It sounds ridiculous to some extent, but at the same time, the back of your brain's thinking like, okay, I get it. Maybe I'm stupid. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I, I'm i not a viro virologist. Virologist. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, but I would think that this is a very um, layman's conception of this process mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but maybe it's true and then we'll we'll be the fools any virologist yeah, i don't there? know if, yeah anyone anyone who has ever heard of um uh, a virus 
propagating this way, please do let us know. Uh, email us, tweet at us, slide into our DMs. Oh, uh, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, like that. I yeah, did. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, but yeah, yeah. Jordy, Jordy encourages everyone to return to the the ship in the middle of a of a pandemic. Well, that's the thing because uh, everybody there's like an away team of Riker and three women, two women, three women. Yeah. Um, and then everyone else is on the ship, and most people get infected by the virus, which leaves Worf and Geordi on the bridge. <laughs> Quite a combination. Quite a combination, which was not accidental, I, I want to add. Um, That's right. That's right. So Geordi outranks Worf and because they were the only two on the bridge Jordy becomes the captain and he's given the shots he actually sits in the captain's chair and there's this shot of him like looking ahead determined like in this new position of authority and all of that was part uh, originally supposed to be part of a campaign for Black History Month um that we had mm -hmm. a slogan cooked up it's like uh, Trek salutes black ensigns was the slogan. We cut a bunch of little TV bumpers to put on between different shows on the network and like to air alongside the preview for this episode where um, War for Geordi, sometimes both of them would overcome some kind of uh, racial inequality situation. We had some aliens that they fought off that were stylized as Klansmen. It was a whole thing. Yeah. There was yeah, so right. much effort put into that. We made this big kick. And if you remember however many years ago, you'll remember that this episode aired at the end of January rather than February. Black History Month. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Some kind of issue with the production, um, like, that the order the episodes have been filmed in versus when they had were shipped off to the network to be aired, like, there was some miscommunication there that this aired right before the month it was supposed to. And because of that, we had to scrap all of those... Um, plans that we had for the month because we had no episode to coincide with it where that was thematically appropriate um so all the tv bumpers right. they got cut um we, we never got the slogan out there nobody ever heard of any of this and instead we just have this like um incongruent moment of of geordie excellence that never really amounted to anything and yeah yeah we were all pretty bummed about it but i think gene took it the hardest like he when he heard the news and he saw that none of it was going to happen, he just looked at us and said, never again. And we never we never did anything like that again to commemorate Black yep. History Month. That's yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, particularly annoying because the the Jordy's role in the script was written in such a way um, that, it, you know, it was particularly for this campaign. Right. So, you know, losing losing the chance to kind of kickstart this campaign in such a way basically just, you know, made Jory's role in the episode uh, kind of a waste. Right. You know, uh, really unintended because it, it, you know, it doesn't really make much sense. That because that whole subplot feels like a waste. And if you had this element to kind of vindicate it, it's like, okay, this is enabling Jordy to um, take right. a position of power and he's going to inspire people. Um, it would be a lot easier to forgive. As it stands, it's not, and uh, that's the problem. But right, right, yeah, we lose, we lose the the black excellence um, mm -hmm. factor, which you know, 
I, I, it's it's always a shame to have to to have to put stuff like that on the back burner, you know. Right. Especially when we you never get back to it. It just it burns back there on the back burner. Yes, it gets completely, completely, completely charred. Right. Super burned on the back. You know, all black and gross. Yeah, gross. Ugh. Yeah, I feel. Uh, you. But anyway, anyway, but anyway. Uh, so that moment though does lead to one of the the most rare occurrences in the series where oh. where Worf says Jordy's name and anybody oh. out there who maybe is not picking up on the significance of this go throw on a few random episodes of TNG and see how many times you hear Worf say the, the word Jordy I went through and I counted this is one of less than five recorded instances of this happening this episode that is yeah spectacular you know it's not fair you ask me trivia every week and i always get it incredibly wrong and then like the the rare bits of trivia that i do know you never ask about well yeah you know you are right this is an important piece of trivia and definitely one to use in your conversations right um you know with with your friends with other fans um just just to make sure that they're paying attention and that uh, they are a proper star trek fan um yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mitch. This is great. I could teach I can't you believe something you went for once. And, I, I cannot believe you went through and marked all of these instances. That is insane. Well, it helps that um, I have a master file of the scripts that I can control F. Uh, for oh, yeah, that's Jordan. true. That's true. Yeah. Of course, yeah. So it's not uh, as much effort as it sounded like, but uh, you didn't have to ask about that, and people at home could have thought that I really was that thorough in and oh, well. checking the episodes. What can you do? But, You're good at other things. <laughs> so, the, uh, we're kind of like going in random places in this episode, but... Yeah, but like, I did want to... Are we moving off the pandemic? Because I still want to talk about it. Okay, we can still talk about the pandemic. If for some reason, I feel like it might be relevant um, these days. Yeah, 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 it is actually. A very topical episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really, really hit home in a way that it didn't when when we were on set watching everything go down. Right. I mean, um, we had but, women in those days like we do now, but we didn't have a pandemic. Right. Right. Of course. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, the thing that is really getting me with with the pandemic um, is the scene in Picard's room. Right. Um, Sans fish tank, by the way. Right. Um, and Crusher, that's when Crusher realizes that it's it's the the way it infects, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So she realizes that you know, like we said, it it it, uh, it smells nice, encourages you to breathe it in. That somehow leads her to know exactly how to develop a vaccine for it. Yeah. Um and, and the subplot is solved just like that. It's it's again, it's very layman. Um doesn't quite make any sense, I would say. But yeah. It they needed to wrap this thing up somehow and God knows the less time needed the better. Yeah, I mean, I guess we were kind of approaching the end of the episode, so um it's it's it could have been done uh with a little more finesse i guess than um i don't know it just it just seems lazy to me 
lazy is a good way to put it. I mean, I, I think that whole subplot's incredibly lazy. Um, it's It just felt like there wasn't enough material on, on the planet, and through the various rewrites, they had to come up with something to get the rest of the crew to do to fill time in the A-plot, or fill the gaps in the A-plot, rather. Um, yeah, somehow we always end up with a very stupid plot when we need to get a vaccine. Yeah, va- there's, what that is an excellent point. The track record of Trek and vaccines, um, and how track record the track record of of track and vaccines. Um, it's ridiculous in a way because the show clearly makes a lot of efforts to establish the science in the science fiction. Um, in some ways, between like the thought into how their light speed travel works, or you know the the intricacies of the force fields, and you you hear a lot of explanations for this stuff. But something that is a very real world concept, like developing a vaccine or vi- or viruses, is given no attention to getting it right by any any metric of yeah. Observable science. Yeah, and I like the idea of, you know, a subplot or even 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 an A plot focusing on um Crusher and, you know, her like trying to cure a disease or something. I like that idea. That's an interesting idea. Uh but it's it's never given the justice it deserves, or at least up to this point it uh, it hasn't been. That's for sure. Honestly, if you just told me the uh the conceit of the A plot and the B plot, I, I could envision a version of this script where where they're reversed the importance of them is reversed <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> definitely um so why why don't we why don't, why don't we discuss the a plot a little bit okay so it starts with them approaching this planet angel one which is not a federation planet because they have detected that this is the planet where a escape pod or something um uh yeah a lifeboat yeah. of some sort crash landed following a disaster on another federation ship and they're they ask to come down they're initially rebuffed but they let they're let in and we have this crash course on their culture where on the bridge there the characters discuss that oh it's it's dominated by women so they're not gonna you know we can't we can't have a man lead this expedition because they'll be just as chauvinist as men used to be in the 1950s and uh the reverse mm-hmm. chauvinism and they won't take you seriously so the result of all this is that the ship's therapist is the one to lead the 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 expedition or the the dip the diplomatic meetings between the two yeah very very smart idea um yeah i i guess i don't know i feel like I just don't get what Troy's qualifications are to do anything. No, she doesn't really have any. Um, she she has a place at the bridge for just about no reason, considering she gets everything wrong all the time, um, and uh, it doesn't like doesn't even seem to be part of the pecking order. You know what I mean? Right, and I think this is kind of reflected in um, a lot of episodes where Troy doesn't make an appearance. I feel like she's just in fewer episodes percentage-wise of season one yeah than yeah. others which i'm i'm okay with certainly well we didn't we didn't really know what to do with her you know right. it's like okay the, what, what do you do with a therapist in space 
It sounds right, like a parody. Especially when... <laughs> yeah. It sounds like the setup to a joke. Right. What do you do with a therapist in space? <laughs> I wish I had an answer to that. I'm like just racking my mind to find I know, we gotta think of one. Remotely we gotta clever. think of one. Yeah. Um but yeah, I do want to point out on their descent to the planet, we see the first of many instances of that matte painting. Um, yes. So the matte painting of Angel One, uh, which will be adapted uh, no less than five or six more times to, to fit other planets. Uh, which you know, if if you keep even uh, you know a little bit uh, a little bit of an eye out for, you will catch it every single time. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so yeah, they um, got. They, there's really not much to say about this because it goes as poorly as one might expect upon hearing just the the, the outline for for the plot. Right. Um, it's it's just it's laughable. It's kind of pathetic. Um, I don't know. I mean, you you have this the society of of I guess strong tall women and. Um, all the all the guys are like tiny little twinks. Yeah. Right. And um, first of all, I don't know how they bred them like that. Um, I don't know how they got to this point, but it's it's literally just you think the show is making a point, but it's literally just a reversal of of roles where you you have the women saying that oh the men are really the fortunate ones because we take care of them and stuff like that. You know, implying that that is what men do on Earth for women. Right. Um, you, you know what I mean? They, they let them, you know, they do the hard work so the women can live in ignorance. Um, which just, like, it came off, like, that was that was the first, when, when Beata says that line, mm. uh, I think that was the point where I could say definitively this episode was missing whatever point it might have tried to have. For me, it was when uh, they walk into the room for their initial meeting with uh, this this other um, society, and there's the immediate palpable sexual tension between Riker and every individual in the room. Yes, yeah, yeah, and that's that's another one, right? This is just this is a, an episode for Riker to uh, kind of show off how sexy he is, um, even with Yar, which was disturbing. Yeah, I don't. It's. It's so in your face that yeah. everybody wants to get dicked by Riker. And yeah. It's I I know he's supposed to be like the 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 Bill stand-in, the Kirk of he's mm-hmm. just too sexy for anybody to resist um throwing themselves at him and forgoing the uh centuries of how their society's been built to be like oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, I know I'm the president, and I'm the strongest woman, and the women are the strongest on this planet, and have been for centuries now, but, centuries now, but, you know, Riker's dick, though. and Yeah, I just, I just can't control my womanly instincts. Right, and she's like, oh, I'm so happy to be with a man who uh, will, yeah. will do whatever he wants, or whatever. What the hell? On her planet, this is a weird fetish. Right. It's... It's so, it's weird because it's like, okay, maybe your point is, even if women evolve to be the, the, the dominant gender, uh, they're equal to men, so they would, in fact, develop the same um, sexist attitudes. 
But then it's like, well, at her core, every woman just wants to be, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, it's like dominated in bed. Like, I don't really know. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's like, what, what, what side of this are you on here? Exactly. Yeah. That's where it really, really falls apart because it could have been internally consistent with itself. Right. And even then it would have been dumb, but it just takes it to a whole new level with Riker, you know, uh, getting in bed with Beata and um, the her handmaiden or whatever going off with with the uh, the Federation guy, um, which, you know. The idea that a group of people would not want to leave the planet when given the opportunity is unbelievable. Only because they established them as as resisting the the natural order of this planet and being outlaws right, on right. this planet, so and they're not they're not like resistance fighters or anything. They just don't like the law or like the the, yeah. the you know what I mean the society. So they're living on the outskirts of the fucking city. They're just sitting in a cave somewhere and they're like, no, we're not leaving. Yeah. They could they could take the, the their women. With right. them, the Federation's going to be like, sure, fine, whatever. Every, um, everybody's so the, like would want that too. Both parties would would right, yeah, right. So you know the the main conflict here is, and I mean, I'm not saying that characters can't be stupid or anything. You, you know, that's a, a well written stupid decision is fine, but um, this takes it to the level that I just could not suspend my disbelief for. There's right. no way they wouldn't want to leave that planet. No like, way. Even then, it's it's just not a compelling. Um, no, it's it, yeah, you're right. That's true. That's true too. It it, it doesn't really earn uh, what it becomes. Right. You know, um, it's it's such a it's such a uh, no no you like I I'm I'm not going to leave the planet. Um, and then they all get sentenced to death. Um, it's it's just it's so trite, but. Um, Luckily, um, luckily Riker is there to make a speech, um, you know, recite platitudes as, as is the norm with these early Star Trek episodes and, and save the day. Um, but even, after, even that is yeah. kind of like clumsy because Riker, they come, so there's, it's an execution scene. They've caught these outlaws and they're putting them in this execution device. And Riker comes in and he's like, okay, killing's bad. Men and women are equal. What are you doing? And then everybody's like moved. But at the same time, they're like, okay, we're going to go talk about this. And then they all shuffle out of the room, talk off screen for 90 seconds, come back. And then they're like, okay, he cannot die. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what is the purpose of this? You know that that's that's happened a couple of times already. You know when when they when they start appealing to gods too, like mm-hmm. that's another yeah. That's that's definitely a Riker thing because that that happened on the planet with the Ferengi and the the god who was guarding that city that was destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember that? Yeah, Where the, the keyboard player the from yes. Yeah, yeah. Just just by like you know spewing verbal diarrhea at him, right? Although it's, um, it doesn't it's, make any sense. It's amazing with that in that Riker's verbal diarrhea not only saved the day, but convinced the that god that Riker's race was superior to the Ferengi's race. 
Yeah, yeah, that's even worse. But, you know, this episode is very egregious because of Riker's role. It's, it's, that's another aspect that just brings it down so much. Um, mm. And, you know, the, the conclusion of this episode where he's, you know, giving a speech or whatever, I mean, you'll remember this, but um, originally it was supposed to be pretty different, right? Yes. It was going to have um, Tasha playing a much bigger role. Mm. Um, she was going to be like this, I, I don't know, kind of like half seed day walker. Not quite man, like not quite, not quite woman. Right. So she could uh, uh, play to both sides of the. Of the yeah, she was. She was going to kind of bridge the relationships between the two, um, you know, the rebels and the the, the actual acting government. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem was that um, the scenes that that called for Yar to show off her femininity to to curry favor with the government um, were well beyond Denise's range as an actor. Right. Um, honestly, her attempts were just laughable. Um, so those were left on the cutting room floor and she was just relegated to, you know, the minor role she plays now. Um, but you know, it would have been nice, would have been nice to have been able to actually use her, um, because she's, she is the character who is perfect for this, this kind of, um, this kind of concept. Right. She was even on the expedition. Yeah. Yeah. It was so close. It, it, having this situation and this problem solved by a man is um perhaps one of the most ridiculous choices made yeah yeah it's um it it is a sexist episode um Mm. and i don't i don't make those calls lightly for sure but it is it is absolutely um just just reprehensible sad yeah, and you know, not only for that, not only for that, it's just a bad episode all around too. It's poorly oh, it, written. It is. It's it's none of the the character stuff is engaging. The relationship between Riker and the the president of this planet is not very interesting. Um, the whole illness subplot is also incredibly boring. It. I don't think this might be one of the episodes I've enjoyed the least over season one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, they, honestly, the, probably the worst one since the Naked Now. Probably, yeah. I, I guess that's the the metric we're going with. So, what do we think? Better or worse than the Naked Now? Better. You think so? Yeah, better than the Naked because the Naked Now was consistently boring. Hmm. This one, at least, I I didn't hate watching it. I kind of did. From the very beginning, they, um, <laughs> I don't blame you. they're doing the exposition, and they're like, ah, oh, Captain, it's a planet similar to mid-20th century Earth. And I, like, immediately just <laughs> yeah. checked out. I'm like, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know you're in for a ride when, when we start doing that kind of crap. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just so bankrupt. From then on, it never even, it never bounced back, so. Pretty, yeah. Pretty fucking yeah. miserable. Yeah. I, I understand that, for sure. Um. But yeah, I mean, I think I think that's really all there is to say about that one. Um, just want to update the count before we move on, though. In this episode, there was in fact an instance of one character entering another's room. That's right. We had Crusher, Crusher and Picard. Yes, and it wasn't as. Let me um, write this down. It was not as sensual as you might imagine. It was just kind of weird because nobody nobody in this episode knows how to act sick. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was very clinical. Yeah. Uh, by by virtue of it involving a doctor, I just kind of said yeah. I didn't really think about that, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Isn't that what it means? Yeah, yeah. It's um as if they were at a clinic. It's clinical. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Of course. But luckily for everybody at home and uh, those of us here recording right now, we have one more episode to do today. And um, I, this episode is a title. I am trying to remember it correctly. It's something like 01001001, I think. <laughs> Mitch, Mitch, Mitch. No. God. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not even close. The uh, the name. Well, actually, you know what? The name is special. Okay. The, na- the name of this episode is special because it was actually conceived before any of the plot or characters were. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the very few um, to 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 bear that uh, that honor. Hmm. So legend has it, Maurice suffered a typewriter jam as he sat down to work on the script one day. Uh, the only thing he could get it to output for the title was just zeros and ones. Um, ah. So he ended up with the title 10101001. Oh, I um, see. I was pretty off. Yeah, well, okay. So that's that's not it, though, because Ooh. we, of course, eventually fine-tuned that title to 11001001. Ah, uh, you know, that works a lot better. Yeah, I mean, it flows so much better. Um, you can you can really you can see the meaning in it. Um, there's there's it's 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 a little bit deeper. One 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 zero zero one zero zero one. So I guess that's um, that's the benefit of kind of working collaboratively with people. You you, t- yeah, you take absolutely. your ideas and push them to new heights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, with with that with that revised title um, in our heads, we were able to write the contents of the episode around it in uh you know a very very satisfying way i think okay okay i like it um really quick just so i want everybody to understand that story that you just told could you explain to the folks at home what a typewriter is oh that's right mitch that's right our audience probably doesn't know what a typewriter is right right well you know back in the 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 old days you know when uh when we were still kicking around um we uh we wouldn't write on computers with screens you know um we would only have typewriters and so typewriters are um they're like computers mm. um it's like it's like writing in a uh a word processor uh, like word perfect mm. but um there's no screen you know you're you're typing on paper um uh, so when you type on the typewriter it prints on the paper in real time which, you know, personally, I think was in some ways more convenient. Right. It, it, it's, but, it's immediate. You know, you don't have to hook up yeah, a printer yeah. and buy ink. Yeah. Oh, and get gosh, don't get, me, don't get me in front of those printers. Can't handle it. And you know what? The uh, typewriters yeah. gave us this episode. You think that your, your computer did. is going to jam and give you something like this title? No. No. no, no. All it's going to give you is a, is a 404. Oh. We had a computer, that would be the title. 
you know, that would have been the title of the episode. I bet there's some new Star Trek episode titled 404 of uh, Star in Trek. In honor of this. Yeah. It's, um, it's truly a product of the time in a, in, mm-hmm. a, in a nice, nostalgic, authentic way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. So um, how does the, um, the title, how does that precipitate the events of the episode? Why don't, why don't you explain for us? Oh, sure, yeah. Well, so the title 11001001, um, as you may have noticed, it's it's in binary. Um, and binary is a language? Yes. That computers use to do computer things, um, I, I, I think. And, um, well, the... The episode is about um, a couple aliens coming onto the Enterprise called One Zero and Zero One, and they they work their magic on the Enterprise's computer. And um, did was that their name? Yes, I I didn't I somehow did not catch that. Yeah, yeah, One Zero and Zero One. Now the other two go unnamed, right? Because there are others. Uh, other they're called. Um, Binars? Binars, yeah. Binars. Uh, a not so subtle mm-hmm. nod to binary. Um Yes, yeah. But they go there's a there's two pairs of them, they go unnamed, and they they're like these small pink um uh featureless uh identical aliens and that always work in pairs and they finish each other's sentences. They're they're pretty insufferable in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they finish each other's sentences in a very awkward white girl kind of way. Yeah, it's to go on a tangent about this real quick. They the way that the actors do this, <laughs> it's always um like imagine imagine you're shooting a scene and an actor is supposed to get interrupted by something and yeah, that actor plans to stop talking when the script says so the interruption comes in and it doesn't really sound authentic because the way that the actor had been phrasing their sentence and their intonation it's like they were preparing to stop talking when they were yeah they they, it's like they intended to get interrupted they 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 stop short exactly and that's that's exactly how these these binars feel it's um it doesn't feel like one mind making these uh, sentences these thoughts like it's supposed to it just feels like two separate people um right right reading a script yes yeah it, it is incredibly annoying i agree yeah um de- they definitely were not uh we're not actors <laughs> i'll say yeah. that much here's another part of the binars um uh way of of being that make also makes no sense and is contradicted um, at one at, when they're first introduced, the binars are standing side by side, and you kind of get the sense that they always do that. And at one point, mm-hmm. they have to turn around, so they kind of like shuffle as a unit around rather than just both of them turning on their place. So the way that they do it is the one who is on the left remains on the left as they turn around, and you're like, okay, I guess that's something that they do because it's a very okay. awkward gesture to for them. Right, to right, do. yeah, I get. You. But then mm-hmm. later in the episode, they just turn around normally, so such that they shift being on each other's left and right side. 
Yeah, so they we're we're to understand that they basically just decided to do that one little spin trick uh, for the hell of it. Yeah, it's just weird yeah. physical direction given uh, that's that's not maintained. It's so yeah, it's not followed up on right. It's so obvious. Either keep doing it or don't do it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's definitely you're you're catching some serious stuff here. This, this these are the things I care about. If you were to ask me about yeah. how well the the plot was written or the the dialogue was conceived i'd have no answer for you but if you were to ask me on the internal logic of the binars uh cultural mores then yes i have you covered yeah <laughs> um yeah so so the uh did did we did the episode explain why the binars have a handler no but they do and yeah. so what happens is the the Okay, to explain some of the plot, the Enterprise goes to a Federation space station to dock and get repairs and upgrades. Um, and when they do, Picard goes to meet the Binars, who are the engineers to work on the ship, and their handler in an airlock. And this is where we get one of the more surreal moments of the episode, because Picard is met, or goes to meet a captain or a commander who looks exactly like him. Like, they're they're... They're so yes, similar uncanny. aesthetically. It's uncanny. And uh, I'm trying to remember that actor's name. I think it was Gene. Gene Dynarski. Not our yeah, Gene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mind you. Right. Yeah. But, right. But a Gene. Um, and the so the reason that they look so similar is that Gene initially was in the running to play the role of Picard that, that Patrick ultimately got. And that was the look that gene wanted and initially he was looking at at the other gene oh my god i can't handle this gene and gene um <laughs> too many genes too many genes good genes bad genes right it's um you have one too many gene you have one too many chromosomes and it's all it's all messed up but well, that, doesn't that just explain star trek doesn't it doesn't it though but eventually um in that casting process gene dynarski was eventually ousted from the role because of some allegations of sexual misconduct, something or other, um, which I guess not all genes are impervious to, but at least ours huh. was. And, you know, yeah. it's kind of a blessing in, this, in disguise because it led us to casting Patrick, who I think we can all agree um, was born to be Picard. Certainly. And that's yes. why he's still Absolutely Picard to this day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's why we still see him on the silver screen. Exactly. But they the point is that, you know, we we had Gene come back to be this commander, Commander uh Gineros. And um is that, is that what his name was? I believe so. Qua Quadernos? Quiznos? Quadraneros. Quadraneros. Um I'm not sure. It's something like that, but it's a bit role, but we gave it to him as like a concession. It's like, yeah. Kind of sucks what happened to you. You know, it, it happens to all of us. But, you know, come back, play this role, get a paycheck, and maybe we'll see you again sometime. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, looking out for each other. Gene's got to look nice. out for it each was, other. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> our Gene needed all the help he could get, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As for beyond that, why they have a handler in this episode, there's, it's never really explained. And uh, he doesn't have much to do except be there so his, his the reason for this character was more 
external, more meta than uh, story purposes. That makes sense. That makes sense. That does kind of explain why uh, why he's there in the first place. Because um, you know these these aliens seem perfectly autonomous, right? To me, and uh, that's that's part of the problem. Part of the thrust of the plot. Yes, that, that, that autonomy is what drives the conflict. Yes. Um, yes. So yeah, uh, they're 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 there to uh, update the computer, right? Um, and this is kind of portrayed to the audience via the uh holodeck right yes and that's the main thing that they upgrade that's like their first big project right and i cannot stress how annoying it is that every time we see the holodeck every character has to be in awe of it in every single episode it's like they've never seen it before what's amazing to me is that First, they upgrade it and they bring Riker there and like Riker, check out the new and improved holodeck. So Riker's like, okay, um, generate me a jazz bar, and it does. And Riker walks in, and he's like, wow, you guys really upgraded it. You, you're what? understating your um, abilities when it's the same exact thing that it could have done before. And right, like, right, right. Only in its AI, I guess, is um, is there a demonstrable uh, upgrade. But Riker has, hasn't seen that to the point. Not even? Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, they, they pay all this lip service to, um, what's her name? Toilette? The name of the character or the name of the... Yeah, the name of the character. No, it was, um, it's Minuet. Minuet. Um, yeah. They, they pay all this lip service to her being, you know, such, a, such an improvement from all of the other characters in the holodeck. But just a few episodes ago, they, Picard was having this philosophical conversation with, with a fictional character about the meaning of existence. True. but it, In it, what way is it upgrade? It might be when Picard, Picard ultimately eventually comes in and she starts speaking French, having known to access the databanks of the computer because Picard speaks French nominally. Ex- I'm not buying it. What's weird to me, though, is that her AI knows it's it's AI, a computer, without having been given direction to to do that. Um, which sure, maybe the the binar is programmed it that way to to be more forthcoming and sentient rather than mm-hmm. believing it's it's uh real. Um, but I don't know. It's 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 just a really hard thing to accept because you're told like okay they're doing these upgrades to the holodeck it's amazing and okay i guess it is like i don't, I don't really feel it yeah we're we're very much t- i mean picard walks in and just looks around and beams like an old man looking at an iphone <laughs> it, it's, it's it's not at all convincing and he already did that a couple episodes ago right like, how many times do we have to be told the holodeck is great I don't understand it. And the the conflict of the plot hinges on these characters being so mesmerized by how great the <laughs> the yeah. holodeck is. <laughs> Which is that that's what really puts it over the edge as being um a problem. Now, so I do believe I do believe that we initially had it so that the the episode where the holodeck malfunctions. Uh-huh. 
I believe it was going to be that that actually followed this episode. Oh. Um, and they would be related, as in, like, the, the the upgrade actually makes the holodeck malfunction, and I think that wasn't necessarily, like, um, the, the, the same driving uh, plot point that it was in this episode where the aliens need to get home or whatever. See, I thought um, that... I didn't know that. I thought it would be the, uh, the chronologically it was intended and like, okay, the holodeck had these problems. So please upgrade it. Please fix the problems. And that. Yeah. Leads to yeah. This. Well, it kind of worked out in that way that, yeah. So, so we flipped them and yeah, you know, they, they fix it because there's problems. Right. But it might explain that, that similar awe of the holodeck in both episodes. Whereas mm-hmm. before, if these episodes were flipped, it wouldn't, feel so uh redundant you know i guess that would make it make a lot more sense and be a lot more palatable right right because it would have been the first the first time we actually do see the holodeck in in real action that way so not just like a forest scene or or yeah yeah exactly Uh, you know a a shot in the woods right like wow it's a real tree (laughs) Riker not knowing what a hollow deck was. This this episode is the culmination of Riker's assholishness, though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the uh, the 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 blind man teaching an android to paint bit. I wrote that down. I was like, there's there's yeah. a series of weird interactions between Riker and the rest of the staff, where yeah, the tone is so bizarre that it's like, okay, I guess this is going to be a Riker-centric episode because these are all highlighting Riker in some way, but it's really not putting him in a good light. Um, no, no, not at all. Where where Worf is like, I'm going to do my best to win the game, and Riker's like, well, what the hell are you doing? Why are you, being, why are you taking it seriously? You should, you should never try to win. And then, and then Worf absolutely dunks on him. He does. He does. He, an amazing point. Um... That Worf had is like, why well, keep score if I'm not supposed to win? But and then they like undercut Worf's um, <laughs> victory there by saying, "Oh, he's joking." How is that a joke? Like Worf doesn't say something yeah. funny. He makes a good point. Denise says he's joking. Riker, let's call her Denise, like that's a character name. Yar says that he's joking. Um, Riker says, uh, "I'm not so sure that he's joking," which is right. But it shouldn't be. And then then everybody walks away from each other and nothing comes of this. Yes. Yes. And then... A very stupid interaction. Then he goes to Jordy and Data, which you're right. Um, he just flat out insults them for, for no real reason. <laughs> and yeah, and Jordy looks back at him awkwardly like he wants to say something. Right, but he's like, I can't, I can't say that to my boss, I guess. Right. Um, it's, yeah... But the thing, the most bizarre thing is that this somehow comes up later in a plot-relevant way that Jordy and Data were doing this, which is astounding to me. Wait, does it? Yes. Um, at one point, much later in the episode, um, the crews were marking how the Binars gained control of the bridge because nobody was there. And uh, Data says, oh, I should have been there. And Jordy says, well, Data, you can't be there 24-7. And Data's like, no, Jordy, I can. I'm a, I'm a fucking robot. I shouldn't have been out painting <laughs> in my room. Which which was actually, right, like, a right. pretty um, interesting little bit of Data guilt. Like, I, I liked that. That that yeah. was a good point. Yeah. It's like, yeah, Data's 
um, desire to be human and explore human things, holding him back from actually doing his best possible duty, um, is interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I it, never thought about that. That's a more interesting concept than I would have credited season one TNG of exploring. Not an alien. But you know what? I think, I think it was accidental. It, it they I mean he, they, he said that data says like I you know I shouldn't shouldn't have been off painting because there's no reason for me to do that but it's never right. followed up on it's just one line of dialogue and it yeah it's kind of thrown away right so that could have been cool it was not but it could have been but anyway uh, and then I think Riker oh you know what the, he, him and Picard have this really weird series of interactions where Picard is like filleting him, filleting Riker. Um, yeah. He's like, oh my god, number one, you did such a good job parking that ship. <laughs> and then they're like walking away and uh, Picard's like, what are you going to do with your off time? And Riker's like, oh, I don't know. And Picard's like, you should definitely do something because you definitely earned it. You've been doing so such a good job recently. Right, good boy. Right. Like, what is all this for? What does this establish? It doesn't. It doesn't. Like, it doesn't say. It's anything. like watching a couple of podcasters uh, compliment themselves. Right. Right. It's. It's. Ridiculous. You're doing a great job, by the way. Oh, thank, really? Thank you. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I say a lot about the trivia that you ask me, but I think the questions you pick out at the end of every episode have been uh, stellar. Thank you. Thank you. Look forward to the one uh, this episode. I'm eagerly looking forward to it. I'm kind of tempted to cut the discussion of this episode short just to get closer to it because it's always the highlight i know i know it's tough i know it's tough but we gotta keep trekking trekking gotta keep trekking so all of this this first half of this episode i think is entirely wasted time there's so many scenes and I was I wrote in my notes because it was about to be the end of the of Act Three, I believe, where there's that commercial mm -hmm. break, and I was saying halfway into the episode, and I don't know what the conflict of of this episode is. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not introduced at all, and it almost seems like the ship malfunctions for some vague non reason. Right, and it, uh, eventually, I think right at the right at the commercial break, they introduce. Like that, it might be a little more sinister than that, right? Right, but barely. barely. It's barely sinister, and that's that's like when the episode starts. All the stuff before that, with Riker antagonizing his crew with the jazz bar, was so boring. I didn't like it's just it. the, that's the script filleting Riker. Really, you know, you know what bothered me? Um, Riker decides to go to. He says Nolans first of all. <laughs> Um, which, you know, how would he know to use that accent? Right. But why does no one in Star Trek ever want to go to the near past? Right. Why is it always the mid-20th century? Right, right. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was definitely, uh, you know, that always bothers me when it shows up. But... I don't know if it was necessarily boring. I like to see Riker, you know, kind of gallivanting around doing his his uh, his kind of assholeish thing. But uh, you're you're right in that this episode does not set up the conflict in a proper way at all. And most of the time, it's just characters. Um, you know, there's either Riker in the hollow deck talking to this woman that he seems to want to have a relationship with, despite her being an AI, and him knowing and that. 
and he, yeah, 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 yeah. He asks her, doesn't he ask her like, oh, you know, how far can we take this or whatever? Yeah. Um, which is just, just stupid. Um, and then, you know, we have, we have Wesley on the bridge. Wesley, who is in charge of the bridge, um, ogling these, these disgusting bald aliens. Um, I, I have, I have nitpicks. Yeah. Yeah. So we hear some of the binar language and, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to complain about this. They, uh, there's no reason for them to not understand what the binars are saying. Universal translator. Yep. The fact yep. that the binars switch between English and their binar language implies that they all learned English. Um, and that the universal translator doesn't work for I don't know if they're speaking binary or whatever language they are speaking. And obviously the idea of speaking binary is kind of ridiculous, but um yeah, hated that. <laughs> because that's like them discussing their plans. It's if that was able to be understood, then everybody would know that they're up to something. Um so. Yeah, uh you know, I think you could wave this one away um by you know, maybe maybe the language is is too fast, too complex for the universal translator. Maybe I don't know, but I do know that these are people officially employed by Starfleet by the Federation. So you would think that they would be prepared to to communicate with them. I yeah, uh, I guess there is very little excuse for that. So that was dumb. Um, everybody just kind of watching the binars and being like, "I don't trust these guys." Better keep an eye on them, and then like they just get away with their plan. <laughs> <laughs> they just they just do nothing. They basically they are a non-entity in this story, right? Um, in fact, you know, it's almost a story about nothing. The resolution is so dumb, and Picard's just kind of like, well, okay, whatever. You know, no one got hurt, so it's fine. Well, this is like you're hijacking a Federation ship. They, they, when they're being led away by the ends, somebody says like, "Oh, there, there will be uh, an investigation or an examination or whatever." And yeah, uh, bullshit. In my mind, I'm just picturing these guys just getting like executed for sedition. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they kind of deserve it, don't they? Yeah, they, they hijacked all... a, a <sighs> ship. And another thing. Do they ever establish why they couldn't just ask the Federation no, for help? No, 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 no. Their, their excuse was, we thought you might say no. And then I think Riker is like, huh, that's, you know, because they think in binary, Captain, or uh, something that like was, that. That was the stupidest line of the episode, perhaps of the season. <laughs> it's yeah, like... the award goes to... <laughs> not only... Um, is it is the idea of thinking in binary like dumb, but like let's say they only deal in absolutes, the binars go on to say, um, "We thought you might say no," which is not yeah, like we thought you might right, <laughs> which is an in- intrinsically non-binary uh, <laughs> statement. Right, right, right. So why even put that line? It's so dumb. It's so stupid. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's another episode that hinges on there being a manufactured conflict that could be avoided 
if someone just explained themselves at any point. Right. At any And it's... Uh, it, it, there could have been some way to do this episode where they're not Federation um, employees. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. at that point, it's a lot more believable to think that the Federation might not aid them, even though it's kind of not, because that's all the Federation does. It bends over backwards to save people in those ways, as long as they're not non-spacefaring races. Um, right. But it would be more believable. The fact that they work for the fucking Federation and... Yeah, or isn't the, isn't the Federation absolutely obligated to help these people? Yeah, uh, you would think they so. They have to be. Because, I mean, especially considering, like you just said, they'll do, like, anything for anyone. Pretty right. much. And their plan was to have Riker trapped on the ship so that he would eventually come out to help them. Because th their plan specifically involves Riker not being evacuated. So it's like we need the cooperation of somebody to come and do the final stages of saving us at some point. Yeah. So when they their plan involves a Starfleet officer helping them anyway... Why can't they just ask? <laughs> yeah, what if what if what if Riker said no? Right. And like you make this 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 holodeck entity, this AI that's like going to so completely enthrall Riker and not have that person like try to convince Riker to do anything. It's <coughs> none of it makes any sense. It's so dumb. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's all it's it's a fake conflict. Is is this? It is. It's it's a non-conflict, really. Um, is this holodeck entity the one that Riker sees in in some like mind illusion? Yes. Several yes. seasons from now. Okay. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. But yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um, it is. Which is when we get to that, we we're gonna have a lot to talk about there. Can't wait. Uh. Another point I'd like to bring up is um, at some point it's this this little tidbit of information is given that um, the Enterprise computer I think is as big as the planet's computer um, that these aliens are from. Yeah, <laughs> I don't Which, know. Like what is that like size or storage space or what? I mean, you, you, you know, really storage kind of, wise though, either doesn't really yeah. make sense. Yeah, no, when, when you're dealing with a a race of aliens that is so connected to technology that they shut down when their computer is turned off, how is a Starship's computer the same size as it? Right. So that, that's, another, that's another plot of convenience that uh, is, is just not believable at all. Really, it makes sense that given all of this that this episode was born from a from a typewriter jamming mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah it, you know it was never meant to exist right and you can definitely see that in the final product so it's like this conflict only exists because um information isn't given out to the audience nor the the characters and there's really nothing <laughs> yeah, to solve. yeah. Um, this, it's, it's basically like a high school drama, right? The race, this, the intricacies of this alien race aren't really thought out very well either, and they just kind of exist in a in a way that's pasted on top of Star Trek rather than really being integrated into it. Um, right, right. Nothing's right. natural. 
It's just just a typewriter jam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, the the aliens were originally different. Um, to be fair, really, yeah. I mean, you you say they're they're pasted on top, and they kind of are. Um, I mean, originally they were going to be pretty standard, fair, sexy aliens, you know, oh. like half naked, dumb, the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. And because I think I think there's a rule in the Trek Bible about this. Yeah, it's it's um, hard to remember what was a rule. And what just kind of uh, became Gene's fancy for a day. I, yeah, yeah, there's that. And, you know, also considering we break the rules so much, um, it, it almost doesn't matter. But I think there was a rule. But the uh, the sexy alien thing didn't pan out um, because we actually uh, uh, caught the ire of some feminist campaign. Um, oh, who, that. Who was, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, you remember the mailroom. Mm-hmm. Um they they were protesting against the the male gaze of Star Trek, which you know I guess to be fair, sure. Uh, whenever we we feature women, they tend to be um, pretty scantily clad, you know. Right. Uh, and uh, it was actually Maurice himself who who proposed the change to the the binars, um, which was just you know make them smart, um, which you know, has the effect of also making them unattractive, you know, right. They, they come as pairs, right. Mm-hmm. Um, in much, in much the same way, binars come as pairs. Those qualities come in pairs. Yes. Um, so, you know, makeup just went to work, making them look disturbing, uh, just as disgusting as possible. And, um, it's, it's funny because you see, when you watch the episode, a couple of those aliens actually had pretty faces, right. Right. Um, again, another example of angel one casting. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, they were actually attracted women, which you know does feel kind of like a waste. But what you know, what can you do? Um, we we had to get uh, certain external forces off our backs to be able to uh, really uh, air this episode, which actually did uh, win an Emmy. Really? Did you know that this it was this yeah. one? This one won an Emmy for sound design. Ah, uh, see, I knew mm-hmm. I knew it was yeah. an episode from this season. I did not yeah. know it was this one. I thought you were going to say I knew it wasn't for the writing. <laughs> Certainly. Um, I now, now I wonder. So you you're you're pretty or rather you were pretty in well in with the uh, the writers more than I was. Do you know if the binars in this episode influenced any of uh, the later episode where Riker falls in love with like a a genderless uh, species of alien? Mitch, I gotta say, I don't remember that episode. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I do not remember. That let me all. narrow it down to you. It's the one where Riker has sex with an alien. Ah, that one. Yeah. Of so, course. No, but it's it's very similar in that they kind of have this androgynous alien come on, and the whole thrust is that their whole species is androgynous, and like Riker's relationship with them is culturally problematic, I believe. And you know uh-huh. you can you can probably imagine the rest of the episode from there, but right. I've always wondered if this is like a binar situation. I didn't get a chance to ask at the time, and now now it's like eating me alive. Well, you know, it may be a similar situation. Um, you know, external forces kind of kind of acting upon uh, the writing team to create something like that. Yeah, it might have been. Um, yeah, this was a later season, obviously. Mm. Uh, might have been kind of like a non-binary representation type thing. That's possible. 
you know, we, we always did try to get some kind of um, forward-thinking representation on there. And around that time is kind of when, at least in California, that these things were just starting to, to come out. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of all the rage. Right. Uh, I am kind of a, uh, you know, the in thing to be, right? Right. It, you wanted to be N.D., is, is what they yeah say. yeah yeah that's what they said yeah yeah um so yeah probably something like that i mean once we watch the episode you know that'll probably jog my memory and if not i can shoot off some emails you know get in touch but uh i will say that these aliens are pretty close to uh the the aliens from the original series uh, in the pilot episode hmm. uh where uh where pike has has a run-in with you know again genderless um male aliens played by women um, they're like masters of illusion or something. Well, why, why, uh, why is, why is gender such a scary thing for Star Trek writers that it's the basis of several alien species? You know, um, it's a good question. We, we've had, you know, even in this, this double episode we're doing here, um, this kind of been, uh, the crux of two alien species. Right. So it's, it's a well that hopefully never runs dry and in fact as i alluded to it certainly has gone back to later <laughs> definitely will not yes um i do have one question for you okay do blondes and jazz seldom go together do you that, agree with that that's that's a that's a great question and um that's a real a real riddle that the that this episode proposes um i i don't know if i know we didn't have the technology at the time but it, it feels like some kind of AI wrote that that line of dialogue. <laughs> or, I sort of understand it. I sort of understand it. Because you want like a... When you think jazz, you think like dark. You think like war, kind of. Mm -hmm. um, the thing is, the computer immediately makes a, a, a woman with like light brunette hair that's almost blonde after Riker, Riker yeah. says this. <laughs> <laughs> which i found pretty hilarious what what i also kind of enjoyed is the internal logic of the computer where it's like okay i'm gonna make a blonde and she's gonna be at this table it's like oh the blonde wasn't good all right i'm gonna make a brunette and she'll be at this table it's like oh you want a dark-haired woman all right at the bar it's like <laughs> <laughs> i wonder what that's trying to say right it's 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 weirdly intriguing to me we're gonna have to look up the races of those actresses, oh the, the the nationality that is. Put it all together. Yeah, yeah. Someone might have been having having a chuckle. All right, here's here's another riddle that that I'll propose to you. Um, okay. Do you think that trombone players refer to their instrument as a bone? Like, give me the bone. Does does someone do that in this episode? Oh, Riker does that. He's like, all right, give me a three piece band. Yeah, ba a bass, piano, and drums, and a bone for me. And a bone. And a bone. No, I don't think they do. Oh. Uh, if we if we have any trombone players in the audience, please let us know. But I mean, it's it's like, it's like calling a clarinet a net. Right. It's just weird. Um, that that whole scene has so yeah. many odd things that Riker says, and like it's it's kind of like a twelve year old trying to write suave adult dialogue <laughs> it, it absolutely is uh i i always have kind of taken umbrage with 
um, every single Star Trek character somehow knowing to play an inst- how to how to play an instrument. Okay, um, so Riker plays a trombone, but you're gonna have to fill me in going forward from this. Well, you know, Data plays like the violin. But that makes sense because uh, like he could literally learn to do anything in like seconds. Yeah. Um, it just it seems like I'm sure Picard plays something. It's it's well, such he a plays that flute in um the inner light, the recorder. Oh, does he? That was the whole episode. Are you kidding me? Have you not? Have you seen the inner light? I, I, I way back in the day, Mitch. So, I I do not remember. So Picard goes on this like mind journey. All right, we're, no, we're not going to talk about the inner light. <laughs> no, I, God damn it. <laughs> we we can talk about this later. It's going to be like five years from is, now. My point is, it's such an anachronistic hobby to have in in you it know is. the modern era of this show, and yet everyone seems to be obsessed with classical music. And yeah, and no new instruments have ever been invented, um, right? Except right. for like uh, green plastic symbols on the drums. It's, it's yeah. There's there's just no no effort to make it seem like culture has progressed in any way and in fact it's regressed right and you would think they were like oh you know i've been learning to play the um the klingon instrument the, the, the bar yeah off. yeah like whatever it's, it's everything is not only anachronistically old it's also exclusively from planet earth right maybe earth is the only species that has music <laughs> No, I think I think uh, the Klingons have music, don't they? I'm sure they do, but somewhere, yeah, I like maybe in some some pocket trek novel. It's this, yeah. There's probably a novel of Worf joining a Klingon choir and and fighting to be the alpha <laughs> of it. Uh, yeah, you know, it just speaks to a, a constant issue I have with Trek, where it's it's almost pandering to. I mean, obviously, the lowest common denominator in terms of the space, but. Um, you know, it's always pandering to this this Shakespeare and classical music, and right. as if it's sophisticated inherently in some way, which it's not. Um, and you know, by this point, I would hope humanity has kind of uh, done something to surpass right. stuff that was made a thousand years ago. At this point, well, you see, that would require creativity um, to generate something new, rather than just talk about. Um, Shakespeare and, and jazz and classical music for you know seven seasons, right? Which you know we exhausted in in making dog aliens and, uh, and stuff like that. You know, it would have been cool for like them to so this nineteen eighties to be like, all right, now in Star Trek, oh, we have a character say, oh, you know, I got my violin, I'm gonna play some classical music, and then they start playing like fucking rock you like a hurricane or something stupid like that. yeah that would be funny yeah and yeah it, it, it would be appropriate yeah it would make sense it's it's just the relevant same amount of time lag between that show right now now in classical music and why wouldn't people have that same uh attitude towards things that are yeah. from our present yeah yeah, and but, it wouldn't even you know, require you, creativity. You wouldn't have to make something new. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. It, but it would. It would show some kind of thought, uh, you know, about how humans of the era interact with with pop media. Right. Um. But 
you know, th this is just an issue in much the same way that you have your language issue. This is my issue that I will constantly harp on. These uh, um, and it's, anachronisms. It's probably already got old. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I will bring it up at every possible, uh, possible moment. Please do. Please do. Yeah. So um, I was trying to think of what even happened in this episode because half of it is just nothing. Um, and then, then like, I, I do like these scenes between Riker and Picard where they're preparing to storm the bridge once they realize what's going on. And um, they are like, all right, we're going to put this ship on self-destruct. You know, I'm ready to die. Yep. Are you ready to die? And they're like, yeah. And it was like, it's pretty, pretty intense. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to go in there. One of us is going to be a distraction. Hopefully we don't get killed, but we might have to. And it's... It's a cool little moment of gravitas that you don't often see in yeah, yeah, season sure. one Star Trek, um, which is probably the <laughs> the best part of the episode because really it has nothing else going for it aside from that one throwaway line from Data I mentioned earlier. Right, right. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, like I said, I do enjoy watching Riker do his thing. Um, that's always been kind of one of my... One of the things I like about Trek is just how how goofy uh, the, uh, the 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 womanizer characters tend to be. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, but you can't base an episode around that. I don't think. Not not, not like this. You can't. No, no. It, I mean, it's it's more interesting when it's an actual woman and not a computer program. Mm -hmm. Um. Although then again, maybe it's not because Angel One was also kind of boring. Well, no, I mean, like, don't compare it to that's that's not fair. Uh, you could easily write an episode where where Riker's, uh, you know, propensity to uh, get in, get himself entangled with alien women would lead to, you know, an actual conflict. You know what I mean? That would be easy. Yeah, even uh, e easy to write well. So it, it's not that you can't write something based on that. It's just in this episode, it's just it's. Another just another convenience to to resolve or or lead to the the non conflict. You see, that's the episode that needs to have the virus subplot, the the Riker saxothelian. Oh, so there that, you go. Yeah, so Riker gets some some kind of STI. It spreads around the Enterprise at an alarming rate, <laughs> and uh, they have to track down a way to make a vaccine. They, they they have an intervention on the bridge as all the all the female crew uh, realizes that um, he's sleeping with all of them. It see that's a good episode. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, like Valentine's Day, they all they all give him chocolate. Right, right. And and they all realize that you know, oh wait wait a minute, you're getting chocolate from her too. Everybody but Yar. Everybody, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe even Yar. You saw the way she was making eyes at him last episode. Yeah, but would Riker do that? Would he consent? Yeah, yeah after a few synthols, why not? It's true. It's true. You have any uh, anything else you want to talk about here? With oh my god, zero one with this episode. One one zero zero one zero zero one. Okay. All right. I forgot. Uh, I think we've we've exhausted pretty much everything there is to talk about here, which is to say nothing. We've exhausted the nothing yeah. that uh... we, we basically spent what forty minutes saying essentially nothing. 
good times. Good times. Yeah. So I guess I will move on to my question for you. Yes. Trivia time. So my favorite part of the week. <laughs> Leonard. Leonard, our mm-hmm. uh our guest actor who played um Beata's little little man servant. Okay. Remember him. Let me stop you there. He can't just uh-huh. say Leonard in the context of Star Trek and <laughs> <laughs> expect to get away with not referencing fucking Spock. <laughs> That's why I was uh, I was trying to tell you who it was. I was trying to specify which Leonard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leonard Crowfoot. Um, I guess now that he's a bit older, he's probably Leonard Crow's Feet. Crow's Feet. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice, Mitch. So, he actually appears again Ooh. in Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. As a character who is uh, very important to Data. Okay. And I, I identify and this character? Who that is, yeah. Okay. An important character to Data. So I know that Brent Spiner plays the whole Data family. He plays Lore. He plays Dr. Soon. Um, mm-hmm. So it can't be any of them. I don't think that this guy is the same guy that collected data and faked data's death. Um, because I think that guy had like black hair and he kind of had like a, a less um, youthful appearance. He was, he was certainly not five feet tall. Yeah, and he wasn't twinky. So now there's there's an episode where data befriends like a grieving child, but I think this guy is too old for that. How about this? He this character is very intimately related to Data. Intimately related to Data. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Very very intimately involved with Data. Okay. I'm try like I I know the Data episodes. So I'm like I really want to Not get necessarily. This right. I don't mean that. I don't mean that necessarily romantically or sexually or yeah. anything like that. I assume, well, I know the only one that um uh, there's only two women that Data's involved with. One of them's Yar and the other one is like some retard that he shacks up with in a in an episode the r word mitch oh i forgot we were recording um it's okay i can (laughs) can edit it out um so data intimately related guys Can can i get a hint I gave you a hint. Um, <laughs> Can I get another hint? I'm very dedicated to this one. Okay. Um. Mm. Was he? I, was I he don't on know the, if I can give you. Was he on that wet. planet that Data like brought radiation poisoning to? No. Okay. What the hell? Um. I get. I. I get, I'm gonna have to to give up, I guess, because I, I I've eliminated. Oh all, no, really? I've eliminated all these options, but I I can't think of one that. I think I think if you can't think of it, then you're probably not gonna get it. Well, I mean, obviously, but <laughs> what I'm saying is, <laughs> it's always it's, in the last place you look. <laughs> it's pretty obvious um, when you start thinking about characters that are very closely related to data. Can I get a season? 
I don't remember the season. All right. No, I guess you'll just have to tell me. I, I, I can't. I don't know. Sorry. Sorry. It's, it's lol. It's lol? Yeah. You know, you know that like disgusting yeah. form? Right. Is complete. Yeah. That's it. Yep. Yep. I never would have gotten that. I mean, A, yeah. because I usually think a lol is like the, the form it ultimately takes towards that actress. <laughs> right. Right. Um, right. So they just Look needed, to that. they just needed somebody short, I guess. I guess, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, that disgusting looking incomplete lol. Yeah. Jesus. Yep, that was that was uh that was old Leo. Well good for him getting work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a fantastic job. Can't wait to see him again. Well, I mean that episode's just good in general, but uh It is, yeah. Because that's episode like or rather season like three or four or five or something. Um, I guess people at home are going to have to keep coming back every week until we get there. But, I guess so. I yeah. guess so. With a little cliffhanger. Yeah. A cliffhanger that will last several years. <laughs> <laughs> so until we get to season five, everybody, I implore you to please stay ready here. The troublesome little man child. Consider that in the history of many worlds, there have always been disposable creatures. Do you consider yourself superior to us? Should have told him to mind his own damn business. But I've struck the beard thusly. Intellectual. Computer! Freeze program. It's not a promising beginning, 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 beginning.